turn with me to a little book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 3 to 12. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 to 12. We'll read that together um, in just a moment. It is a joy to be back here after a couple weeks. And um, I want to kind of start off uh, this year of ministry with a, a couple of challenges. One is this week really in how to, uh, as a challenge to, to know and to apply God's Word to our lives. See, it's so important that we read God's Word every day and that you, you take time to, to study the Bible and, and you know it and you have time with God to allow Him to speak to you through His Word. But it doesn't do any good if we just know it, does it? Or if we just uh, know God's Word but we don't apply it to our lives. Um, I have found um, there are a lot of people in our community who, uh, who know the road rules around. But there are some people who, they don't follow them, do they? They just, they know what they are, uh, and they just don't do the right thing. Now, um, I live on, you know, just, you know, not too far from here, about 30 seconds drive or so from here, on Arlington Street, and I've never lived on a street, I don't think, where cars drove so fast. Not all of them. Surely not any of you. But some cars, some cars drive unbelievably fast up our road. Now, they put a slow point right in front of our house. Now you think, well, that'll get them right. Now, there's quite a few tire marks on that slow point where a few people just hit it and keep going. But what they do is they just fly down and go to the wrong side of the road so they just keep flying all the way straight up the road and miss the slow point. So, and my kids, when they first put it in, said, oh, thank goodness. Now we're safe playing, because they love playing out front. Now we're safe to ride the scooters and play out front until they saw the first car go straight through the slow point. And they just said, oh, don't they know the rules? And I said, well, yeah, there's a difference, though, in knowing the rules and following the rules, isn't it? Um, it's kind of the same with our life if we... We can know God's Word, but if we don't ever apply it to our lives, we don't ever let it sink in, and we don't ever let the Spirit challenge us with it, uh, then uh, there's not a lot of point in that knowledge. And next week we're going to be challenged to, to boldly, not only to live out God's Word in our lives, as we're being challenged this week, but to boldly speak the Word of God to others. And uh, so I'll challenge you, read with me in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 to 12, and we'll read through this and then we'll uh, go through some of these verses. 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning verse 3, it says this, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live in a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact... You do love all God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business 
and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life might win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. And I pray, Lord, that you help us as your church to to get to know your word and to learn to love your word, but also to apply it to our lives and to allow you and your work of the Holy Spirit to change our hearts and lives that we'd be more like you. That in our daily lives with our families and our workplaces and the community, people can see you in us. And rather than the rigid, self-centered us, they see the gracious and loving you at work in our lives. God, we pray that your word come alive to this community through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'll take this um, a little bit, uh, almost verse by verse, really, as we work our way through some of this in in, uh, 1 Thessalonians, because there's a lot of good stuff in there. Now, I know I say that seemingly with every passage I preach, it's going, it's a small passage, but there's a lot of good stuff, but there's a lot of good stuff in this book, and so I want to challenge you, take time to, uh, to read it every day. Verse 3 uh, says that we are, God's will is that we be sanctified, uh, that we be pure and set apart, set apart, different from the world. Pure and something that stands out. Now, uh, when I think of sanctified and pure or something that stands out, uh, I want to say we, we should stand out as God's children, just like new white shoelaces uh, stand out on an old pair of shoes. You ever done, have you ever changed shoelaces? What do you have to do? You go, oh, now I need a new pair of shoes, right? I used to be so embarrassed because when I was young, you know, as a young boy on the farm, we'd just run around and you, you wear out your shoes and uh, my nice white uh, tennis shoes would, uh, would not be white for long. I thought they still looked really good, uh, but they, they had been worn and, and run down and inevitably I would always break my shoelaces and they would wear down first. And so mom would go out and she would get me a nice pair. In fact, she went to her drawer because she just, I don't know, mom's prepared for everything. So she's opened up the little shoelace drawer, I guess, and she pulls out nice white shoelaces because she just had them in stock there. And um, she put them on my shoes and I would, oh, no, I really need a new pair of shoes. And she could, no, 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 this will be fine. And you break these, I've got plenty more shoelaces where those came from. Now, uh, mom's was even worse because if she didn't have bright white ones, she might have brown ones or something else that was just more embarrassing for my tennis shoes when I was younger. But the bright white ones stood out the most because I realized that the white shoes that I'd bought earlier that year or the year before weren't so white anymore compared to this new bright white. And I'm sure you've all done that. Maybe you've gone out and bought that new pair of shoes just because of that. Or you bought new socks and now your shoes look dirty. Whatever. I think we should, we should stand out uh, like that in our community. Now, it's not saying to, to draw attention to ourselves, but saying we should be living different lives. God's will, God's plan for us as His church is that we live a different life than that of the community who do not know Him. We should live as uh, sanctified uh, people. We should live as a people uh, that is different and should stand out. And we should do it by avoiding immoralities. Now, in the context here, he's talking to the church in Thessalonica and, and challenges them to avoid uh, sexual immorality, which apparently was quite uh, prevalent in the time of, of Thessalonica in, in, uh, in Paul's time when he's writing this letter. We should avoid, avoid immoralities in every part of our lives. We should not live just like 
uh, the people in the world do, the people who do not know Him. Because it says they, they just follow their own passionate desires and, and just dive into whatever they want to. They say, hey, my, uh, my body is mine and I can uh, do whatever I want to. To whoever I want to. God says we should live differently as the children of God, as the people of God, and avoid these sort of immoralities, this sort of darkness. Because God is a God of light and a God of purity. We should not allow these things, these temptations, to be part of our lives. Now, that can be easier said than done, can it? Because although you think, wow, this is written a long time ago to people in um, the city of Thessalonica or the church, early believers there, this is still written for us here today. Because we live in a society that there are, are, are temptations all around. One of the prevailing and most destructive sins in the church today is that of sexual immorality. We've given ourselves permission to just have a trial or, or say, God ourselves, to believe the lie that says it's not hurting anyone. And so we easily fall, even today we fall so easily into the, into the trap of sin. And even great pastors and leaders and, and Sunday school teachers and musicians and people who you believe uh, are so strong in the faith in their church struggle at times in areas of temptation, whether it be with alcohol or sexual immorality or whatever that sin is. There are so many temptations out there that we need to avoid. It says we need to, verses 4 to 6, challenges us to avoid those immoralities. To live a life which is honoring to God. And verse 7 says, We are not called to be impure, but we are called to be holy. And by holy means we're, we're called to be set apart for a purpose. God has called us to live differently. He's called us to, to try to avoid those, uh, those temptations and those immoralities. To seek to live that pure life. Not saying we're always going to get that right. They're saying we're going to stumble and we're going to fall at times. And there's forgiveness and grace for that. But we should make every effort as the people of God to try to live according to His Word. To try to honor Him with our bodies. To try to honor Him with our minds. To try to honor Him with our lives. God created us for more. He created us not to be impure like the world, like those who do not know Him, like those who have never experienced His love and grace, but to be holy, set apart for a purpose, to stand out for a purpose of sharing God's love and grace in our community. So verse 8 then says this. So verse 7 says, God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Verse 8, Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. Now if we look at, why is that word therefore? Therefore, it's that God has called us to be pure. He's called us to be different. Therefore, anyone who doesn't listen to this sort of word, anyone who doesn't allow this challenge to sink in, it's not just rejecting Paul's words or my words, but the very words of God, who has challenged us, who has created us for more and wants us to strive to honor Him with our lives, to move beyond just knowing God's Word, but applying it to our lives, allowing His love to shine through. 
Verse 9 and 10 are some beautiful verses about love, aren't they? Say, look, I don't need to write to you about love because you're doing it. You know that you're supposed to be loving one another and you're doing a great job at it. But let me challenge you some more. I love this because he goes, I don't need to challenge you about this, but let me challenge you on this. He begins by going, you're doing this really well, but still I want to challenge you on it. Love more and more. The love and the grace that you are receiving from God, the love and grace that you're giving to each other, keep that going. Keep on loving more and more because God's love is shining through your life. It should be a constant pursuit for us as Christians. Now again, I wouldn't say this would be any of you here, but I have known through my years of work of the church that Christians, we can get a bit lazy with our faith. We can get a bit lazy with our love. And in fact, you may, you may have at times looked at the end of the week at how you've lived during the week with your spouse or with your children or your family, people in the community, people in your workplace, and you can't really see at all how you've shown God's love. We have to be intentional. And so while Paul says, hey, you guys are doing a great job loving each other, you're doing just what God said, but you need to do it more and more and more. You need to constantly be pursuing righteousness, constantly be pursuing holiness, constantly be pursuing God's love. Living it out in every aspect of your life. Be intentional about this. Verse 11 and 12 says this, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we've told you, so that your daily life will win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. Now, as you know, I grew up on a little farm in the hills of Kentucky. And uh, my, my father grew up on the same farm, and his mother grew up on the same, in the same house uh, before he did. And um, that land where my mom and dad live had been part of our family since, um, since before the Civil War in the mid-1800s. And um, all of my life until about 10 years ago, uh, my, the house that my dad was raised in and my grandmother was raised in uh, was, was sitting there on the farm. And it, it sits there where my mom and dad's house sits now, and it just overlooks the mountains there, just a secluded little farm. And there was always a big veranda on the front of that house. And Grandma and my Papa used to have uh, a porch swing on one side and some old rocking chairs sitting on the other side. And my idea of living a quiet life is sitting on that porch swing or sitting on those old rocking chairs and just hearing nothing. You sit on that farm, there's no cars around. You might hear some turkeys in the field or see some deer walking across. It's peaceful. It's quiet. Doesn't that sound nice? In such a hectic, crazy life, it seems great just to, to go and sit on the porch swing for a while, doesn't it? Or go and just sit in the rocker. But that's not exactly what Paul is challenging the church to do here. He's not saying, uh, I want to challenge all of you to live a quiet life. Go and just move out in the bush somewhere. Move away from all the hectic, the sins and the temptations of the city 
and just live a quiet life out by yourself. He's not calling us all to be hermits. He's not calling us all to be a recluse and to not be around any people any longer or to not be around any of the, the world. In fact, the, the Bible challenges us to be in but not of the world, to live in it and to walk amongst it as, as Christ did and to follow His example. And yet He lived without sin. To strive for righteousness in an unrighteous society. To strive for holiness in a world of darkness. To strive to be God's light. I want to challenge you to live a quiet life. To have that... To, to, to engage in the lives of others, but not to use force or to force our beliefs on anyone, but to live a life that shows God's love. Again, I've been involved in the church my entire life. My dad was a pastor, and uh, I was raised as a, a pastor's child and a missionary's child, and then became a pastor. Um, you know, I've never been able to get away from the church, and I love that. I love the church. But in the church, at times, I've seen some Christians who they want the world to become Christians so bad. They want their loved ones to become Christians so bad that they just don't let up. They just want to force everyone to become Christians. You know, they want to, they want to preach to them and preach to them and, and talk about how they need to change their lives and they need to change this and that. And they talk down on them and often judge People with the best of intentions of trying to lead them to God's grace. People you love and care about in the community. But they, they try to force everyone to follow Christ. Christ says God's grace is enough for any. God's love covers a multitude of sins. And any who will put their trust in Jesus Christ can find forgiveness and mercy at the cross. But He doesn't force any to believe in Him. He allows us that grace for any who will trust in Him but we have to make that decision. Each one has to make that decision for their own. We should live a life of faith that is living out God's Word in our lives so that when people look at us, they see Christ's grace. So that when people look at us, they see Christ's love. When people look at us, they, they, they are in, in awe at the forgiveness and the mercy of God. Not a life that is forcefully Showing people God, but a life that is simply living out His grace, as Jesus did. Let me read for you another great passage from Paul in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 and 17. Now, you know how much I love to eat. So when I think of sweet aromas, I think of muffins or cakes or stuff sitting there. Uh, the old picture of the movies of... Uh, your mom's made an apple pie and she set it in the windowsill and the, the beautiful smell is, uh, is coming out. Well, that's kind of how we should be as Christians. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, beginning verse 15, it says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings life, uh, sorry, to the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent by God. To me, this is a beautiful passage and a staggering challenge. And he says, 
We are to be the sweet aroma of Christ. Now to those who are dying, it stinks of death. But to those who have trusted in Christ, they have smelled his, the sweet forgiveness and grace and mercy. And there's nothing more comforting to any who would trust in him. A question I have for us, I guess, is when our community are looking at us as the church, does the community see holiness and purity and righteousness? When the community sees how we live, do they smell the sweet, attractive aroma of Christ's grace and acceptance and forgiveness? I've got a quote I want you to look at. I was reading a couple weeks ago an article called My Emancipation from American Christianity. It's written by a man who loves God and he strong, seems strong in his faith. But he said, I'm tired of the way the church has become, uh, the way the church has started to use Christianity as a bit of a self-centered sort of church. And he says this, look at this, this quote. If religion is to be worth holding on to, it should be the place where the marginalized feel the most visible, where the hurting receive the most tender care, where the outsider finds the safest refuge. It should be the place where diversity is fiercely pursued and equality loudly championed, where all of humanity finds a permanent home where justice runs the show. Isn't that a great challenge for the church? When God looks to us, when the community looks to us, when those who don't know God look to us, do they see a church that's pure? Do they see in you someone who is honoring God? Do they smell the sweet aroma of Christ? And His mercy and His grace is to die for. It's an aroma which would be enticing to anyone. His grace and mercy is available for anyone. But we have to lift him up. We are the ones who are called to share this message. Who is equal to such a task? We are called to speak God's word, to live God's word. Pure, holy, accepting, loving, forgiving, sweet, sweet aroma of Christ. We've got a long way to go, church. But I want to say... I think you guys are a loving church, just like the one he's speaking to. You are loving and you're reaching this community. You have a desire to see people come to know him. You have a desire to connect with people and to get to know them and to show God's love. And so I want to say we just need to do it more and more and more. We have to be intentional about how we are living. We have to be intentional about living out God's love in our community. You are a church that is seeking to, to know God's Word and to, to live it out, I just want to challenge us to do it more and more. Let's seek to not just know the Word of God, but apply it to our lives so that when people see how we live, they are drawn to Christ. We should love and we should live so that our life will be a testimony of the, the transforming power and grace of God.
We should love people. We should live our lives in such a way that our very life is a testimony of the power and the grace of God. Let me just pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that we can sing your praises and worship you, our Messiah, our Deliverer, the one who has brought to us freedom from the chains of sin. So Lord, help us to not live as a people who are still enslaved in sin. Help us, Lord, to to avoid those immoralities, to, to, to be guided by your word, to know it and to apply it, to allow your spirit to challenge us with your word and to live it out in our community so that when people see our lives in our workplaces and the community and wherever we are, they'll be drawn to you, the sweet aroma of Christ. May we, God, as your church, be the sweet aroma of Christ in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.